to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of October 28, 2018. ACB Families is once again holding a membership drive this holiday season, and you could be one of three big winners. Join ACB Families now. It's just $8 for a one-year membership, and we will enter your name in our Visa gift card drawing. Two names will be drawn from those paying ACB Families dues between now and November 20, and those lucky people will each receive a $50 Visa card. The drawing will take place at our November 25 support group conference call. Be sure to join that call because we will also draw the name of a lucky member who is actually on the call, and that person will win a $25 Visa gift card. For more information and to pay ACB Families dues by phone with your credit card, call us at 502-897-1472. To pay by check, make it payable to ACB Families and mail to ACB Families, 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. Or pay by PayPal by sending $8 to families, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, dash ACB at gmail.com. It pays to join ACB Families. Oh, and by the way, the number for our conference calls is 712 712- Four three two three nine zero zero, and the code is seven nine six zero nine six. Our calls take place at nine p.m. Eastern time on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. The two thousand eighteen KCB Conference and Convention is November sixteen and seventeen, and the theme is KCB: The Final Frontier from Star Trek. Pre-registration is now open. Large print and audio CD pre-registration packets were mailed this past week and contain details about our new registration packages and a detailed schedule of events and programs. Pre-registration information is also on our website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Pre-register by November 10 and save money. Our new Best Value registration package includes all meetings, exhibits, Friday lunch and dinner, and Saturday brunch and banquet for just $50 when you pre-register, $60 after November 10. Remember that KCB is offering a travel stipend for individuals who live outside the Louisville metro area and who attend both days of the convention. GLCB is also offering a $25 stipend for any members who live in Louisville or Southern Indiana who attend both days. There are also pre-registration discounts for our one-day packages and for the registration only and single meal tickets. Check your packet or our website for details. The convention is being held at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Hotel accommodations are available at the Ramada Inn North, just a few minutes away from UCHM. Room rates are $79 a night for up to four people in a room. You can still make reservations by calling 502-897-5101. Be sure to let them know that you are with KCB in order to receive our discounted rate. 
For more information on the convention and to register by phone with your credit card, call us at 502-895-4598. Last week we included a press release about a structured negotiation agreement between ACB and Hulu, which will bring more accessibility and audio description to people who are blind or visually impaired across the country. This week, Brian Charlson, president of the Bay State Council of the Blind and one of the plaintiffs in the structured negotiations case, joins us on page two to explain the terms of the agreement and why this is so significant to so many of us. For those of you coming to convention, you'll have a chance to meet Brian in person as he is our official ACB representative this year. Page three contains two articles posted this past week. The first was shared by Ray Campbell, ACB Secretary. It explains a new project in Illinois to test self-driving autonomous vehicles and is a collaboration between state agencies and other entities concerned with safety, insurance, and other issues related to these vehicles of the future. The second article on the surface is concerned with accessible formats of communications from the California Medicaid system to its consumers who are blind, visually impaired, or who have print-related disabilities. The California Council of the Blind is participating in a lawsuit concerned with these communications. This issue is not unique to California, and so we think you will be interested in the article. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. Brian Charlson is on the phone with me. As most of you know, he's president of the Bay State Council of the Blind, and that's part of the part of the role that he's playing today on Soundprints. He's also president of the Library Users of America, and they have kind of an interest as well in the topic we're going to be discussing. And finally, Brian is going to be our official ACB guest at the upcoming state convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Welcome to South Prince, Brian. Thank you very much. Boy, my head is getting pretty heavy with three hats on, but I'll do it. <laughs> and then your first dude besides that. Yeah, first, well, let me tell you, that is the biggest labor <laughs> part <laughs> of those, those jobs. Yes, so and we are... I was quite impressed when we saw the convention program that, uh, that I'm presenting more frequently than she is. Isn't that interesting? But, but, but you've been down to the Kentucky Council uh, before me, this is my first trip. Right, right. Yes, So, and, but we are so pleased that both you and Kim are coming. And uh, it was kind of interesting for me writing up the schedule that's uh, it's sort of like the pre-program schedule, but it's the schedule on registration. It was interesting for me writing that up because... You know, you're used to having Kim. We are doing all these things, and then the rest of everybody is just kind of there. And this time, it, it's it's you, and it's that's wonderful because you have so many different hats that you can wear, and um, and I think it's it's going to be just fabulous. Um, you know, you're just technology and all kinds of things. So anyway, we're so glad you're coming. Well, we're going to be discussing the Hulu structured negotiation agreement today and 
the Bay State Council was involved with that along with ACB. And so I'm going to just ask you to explain what that is. It, it affects audio description and so on. But let's do some explanation, first of all, as to what audio, audio description is for those people who are listening who may not know. And then tell us about the importance of this Hulu agreement. Sure. Well, the first thing people need to understand is that there are many, many different venues where you wish that you could see just a little something, that there'd be a little whispering voice uh, to your side describing what's visually taking place, either up on the stage or up on the big screen in a movie theater or on your television. So audio description is a carefully scripted, carefully recorded description of the major visual elements of a presentation, whether it be live theater, movies, television. And this description is so carefully scripted that it describes the action, it describes uh, facial expressions, they describe you know, the little red herrings in a mystery, they, oh, you should have noticed that, but maybe you didn't. All of that stuff is kind of tucked in between the dialogue. So it doesn't talk over the normal soundtrack. Rather, it tucks in the corners of those soundtracks. Now, we've been working for years to make this happen. Uh, American Council of the Blind is a leader in this field. We have something called the, the uh, ADP. Yeah. So the Audio Description Project, and you can learn more about all of its activities at acb.org slash ADP, Audio Description Project. We keep track of what's described, what isn't, uh, work hard to make sure that there's quality in the description, not just quantity, but quality in the description. We even have a process where we train people to write and or perform this audio description. And we're actually working on a certification process where an audio describer can hold a certification in audio description, and that is through ACVREP, which is the Academy for Certification of Vision, Rehabilitation, and Education Professionals, ACVREP. Okay, I'm now. glad we don't have to try to pronounce that acronym. We just spell it out. <laughs> Isn't that the, the truth? <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, as I said just a moment ago, it's not just a matter of quantity of this, it's quality. So ACB's been involved in that from pretty much day one, back when WGBH Public Television first introduced audio description on television and expanded that to these other venues as well. So now, modern times, everybody talks about cutting the cord. We're so used to paying that cable bill these days that uh, people are getting a little, little tired of that monthly bill coming through. So a number of services are out there now that basically create video on demand. The most well-known such service is Netflix. With Netflix, you can either pay a monthly fee or you can pay for each program that you want streamed to your television over the Internet. A number of years back, the American Council of Blind, California Council of Blind, and Bay State Council of Blind got together and engaged in a structured negotiation with Netflix, and now the vast majority of what is available on Netflix is available with audio description. 
on comes the next service, Hulu. Now, Hulu is very much like Netflix. That is that you can pay a monthly fee and get access to certain content, kind of like you do with your cable service. Uh, you can also, with Hulu, like Netflix, uh, simply pay to view. If you're interested in a given movie, you rent it for a 24-hour period, or you can purchase it and it kind of stays in your personal profile so you can watch it multiple times as often as you'd like to. What makes Hulu a little different than Netflix is they also live stream standard network television. So now by paying this Hulu service, you can get TV and movies on demand, and you can also get television live at the time that is being broadcast through regular cable program, programming. What this means then is you could truly cut the cord, pay Hulu instead of, an, in, of a major cable company to get and access to just what you're interested in. And it's much less expensive, isn't it? Dramatically. At least, at least two-thirds less expensive. So this is, quite honestly, what younger people are doing for accessing video content. You and I grew up with, you know, turn on the TV, uh, you get your half a dozen channels, uh, and you have the rabbit ears up there, right? Right. And then it morphed into this whole, well, uh, we're not going to send it over the airwaves. Instead, we're going to wire it straight to your home. We'll call it cable. You'll get all these 200-plus stations instead of just those that can broadcast. And now it's taken the next step, which is I don't want to have to be available in my living room at a particular hour on a particular day to watch my favorite program. So I could either use uh, a digital recorder frequently built into your cable box and do what they call DVR, mm -hmm. uh, that program, record it and play it back when I want to. Or I could instead simply use one of these services, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon has a similar service. Uh, Apple has a similar service, and then get this content whenever I feel like watching it, whether I've remembered to record it or not. So let's go back to the Hulu services then. Yep. So you say it can live stream the TV channels, so then I can record those channels? There's a, a there's part, okay. Okay, so I still don't have to be sitting there at that time to watch it. Correct. Okay. But more importantly, one of their services is whatever's live broadcast today mm -hmm. becomes available on demand tomorrow. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. I'm with so you now. kind of DVRing it for you. Okay. On an on-demand kind of way. Ah. Now, that's an important distinction. It is. Uh, because the way that the settlement has worked out that plays a very, very important part in the uh, compromises we made in order to come up with a settlement without having to go through a great deal of legal wrangling. Right. Go to court and all that stuff. And all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. you kind of have to go to court, but not the full, full meal deal. Right. So for us, the American Council of the Blind, uh, representing, of course, our membership from across the country, mm -hmm. decided that we wanted to get Hulu's attention simply asking for them to do the right thing wasn't making it happen. Mm -hmm. So 
the American Council of Blind uh, acquired the services of a law firm that deals with disability rights out in California, and they also wanted a jurisdiction in the court system that has proven quite friendly to our kinds of issues. Okay. So they asked that the Bay State Council, uh, with the federal court system here in Massachusetts, to be a co, if you will, plaintiff in that. So those are the two organizations involved. But they also like individuals to be involved. So we took the ACB president, Kim Charlson, and the Bay State president, Brian Charlson, and put them in as individuals that are affected by this lack of access to Hulu content that was existing. Okay. So we put in our what's called a demand letter. Hulu said, okay, fine, we'll get together and we'll, let's see if we can work out a compromise. They got kind of quiet during that whole process, <laughs> weren't returning emails, those kinds of things. And then at kind of the 11th hour, they decided maybe they didn't want to be involved in this in the first place. But the court system already had their teeth into it. So a federal judge in our jurisdiction here in Massachusetts said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to see you in my courtroom on a specific date, plan to spend the day, because by the end of that day, I'm going to help you work out your differences, and we're going to have an agreement before the end of that work day. Mm -hmm. So our lawyers came in from California, our Massachusetts uh, Disability Law Center, they're representing Bay State Council and, and myself, and Hulu sent their lawyers, and we sat down in the judges' chambers. Now, this is not a jury trial uh, or those kinds of things. Right. We had sent to the judge all of our arguments pro and con for different uh, requests from the blindness community to Hulu and Hulu's rebuttal for some of those things. And then we started working it out. She had each of us uh, put down what we thought were the five deal breakers and uh, write that up for her quickly. I was so amazed. You know, you hear about law things going so slowly. Yes, yes. This, this lady judge says, all right, you've got 15 minutes oh my. to write down the five most important deal breaker items on your list of must-haves. Wow. So for 15 minutes, we all shut up wrote down our little lists, turned them into the judge. The judge says, okay. So I see that that uh, the crossover between the plaintiff and the defendant are these three items. So now you each have 15 minutes to argue your point before me. Now, I'm not going to decide who's right and who's wrong. We're just trying to articulate what we see those issues being with all parties present. So we do that. Uh, and this is not just the lawyers talking. Kim and I were also asked questions uh, through that process. Okay. And then she said, all right, so I see where, can we agree to this? Can we agree to that? And she goes down a list of things. And we agreed to some things and didn't agree to others. So she said, now I want each of you to go to your separate corners and look for ways to compromise. And then we're going to have you come in here one at a time before me, and you and I are going to have a discussion, and I'm going to help you work out your compromises. By the end of the day, we had a fully agreed-upon agreement. My goodness. And so what 
and now you know understand that there's still papers that got to be filed and all that stuff so it's, mm -hmm. it takes about two or three weeks for the paperwork to funnel its way through but okay. that's a fully signed agreement now and let me share with you some of the things we agreed to in this <clears throat> one is it is a three-year agreement now what that means is Hulu has to toe the line on what we agreed to for a minimum of three years. And during that three years, they have to report to the courts and to us their progress in achieving what they committed themselves to do. Okay. Once every six months, we get this written report, and the court does, to make sure, like I say, that Hulu is doing what they agreed to do. Right. Uh, secondly, the three different types of service. All on-demand service, this is like watching a movie or watching uh, reruns of old television shows or whatever they might be, all mm -hmm. that video content. Okay. Hulu must include in their contracts for all future acquisitions of that content a line that says you must, uh, we request as part of this agreement permission to have and the actual content for audio description when already present. Okay. So if they're going to play, oh, I don't know, um, Maverick. Law and Order Special Victims Unit, yeah. which is audio described, right. if they're going to make it available, then they have to work in their contracts to acquire the right to stream that for us. Plus, any content that Hulu itself creates, mm -hmm. whether by contract or, or direct publication. You know, Netflix, one of their famous shows was, uh, uh, what is it, Orange is the New Black? Yes. Uh -huh. So that's a Netflix original. Yes. Well, any Hulu originals must have audio description in them. So it's very similar to the Netflix the, agreement. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that deals with the on-demand side of things. Then we move to the streaming part. Now, the streaming part required the most compromise on the part of ACB and BSCB because the nature of the technology used to stream live television through Hulu has only a single soundtrack. So, as uh, some of your listeners might know, we have this thing called Secondary Audio Programming, or SAP, right. within our televisions. Mm -hmm. And we can go to menus and turn on secondary languages. For some, that's Spanish. For blind and visually impaired people, that can be English with audio description. Okay. Now, that's a secondary audio programming. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Hulu only has a single audio oh. programming stream. So it's just not so, as easy. So they simply cannot stream live audio description. Okay. Earlier in the, our conversation, I mentioned that everything that's streamed today becomes available on demand tomorrow. Mm -hmm. All that on demand has secondary audio programming capability. Okay. They can record it but they can't stream it live for technical reasons, but they can make it available 24 hours later. Mm -hmm. And any of the network programming that comes with audio description 
will be available with audio description, next day viewable. Okay. Again, and that's an example of, 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 of how that's just the best that can be at this point. Right. If Hulu, if Hulu changed their system and had a second channel on the, um, the live streaming thing, then, um, I imagine you all would be right back in there saying... Ah, it's written in the agreement. Ah, already. If the nature yep. of their technology... Should change, yes. ...that would allow for secondary audio programming, mm-hmm. they are obligated to provide it. Good. This is why we... The original agreement was only going to be a two-year agreement, mm-hmm. but they compromised and gave it a three-year agreement mm-hmm. so that there's a little more time for those new technologies to come into play. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, quite honestly, that Hulu is going to use the same technology three years from now right. that they use today. That's just and not Brian, the way this industry works. Okay, so this is three years. And uh, on all of these things, there's a, a time that, that, you know, that the agreement covers or whatever, at least most of the time. Do do you find that after the three years, okay, so they have all this in place, so the fourth year begins, um, do you really think they're going to go back and turn off all of that audio description? I don't. No, what what tends to happen, quite honestly, is they tend to get a little lazy mm-hmm. after the legal obligation is mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Now, the, what caused us to be able to win the argument in the first place is still the law of the land. Uh-huh. No, this was done through the Americans with Disabilities Act. Yes. That uh, required that they do this, and the ADA isn't going away anytime soon. Right. So under those circumstances, their obligation doesn't change. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is, as the three years starts to come to an end, we get back into the negotiation to extend it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, there's some laziness that happens. The other day I was watching uh, some Netflix original programming, or Uh wanted to, Uh and guess what? No audio description. No audio description. So clearly in the original agreement that they would do this ongoing, Mm -hmm. but I now have to file another complaint or, and this is what I I try to do, because, you know, the whole nature of structured negotiation is supposed to be non-adversarial. We're not trying to demand and give me money or else kind of thing. That's that's mm-hmm. not how ACB works. Mm-hmm. It's all about how can we work with you to make sure that this important thing continues to happen. Mm-hmm. So we keep kind of a log of oopses, things that aren't going quite the way they should be going okay. during and after an agreement, mm-hmm. and communicate that directly to Netflix, and we will be doing that with Hulu as well. Mm-hmm. And then if it continues to get worse and worse, then you have to go back. Then you file your complaint. Right. The courts get back involved. But for the most part, these parties would just as soon extend an agreement, mm-hmm. uh, something that is a known quantity to them. Yes. Then well, they try to go back to the courts and have the courts say, well, we think you ought to have been doing more in the first place. Yes, exactly. Right. So they don't want to take that chance. Yes. That they'll be doing that. So especially if after 3 years uh or whatever the time frame happens to be, it, it, 
then there's this track record of, of people using these things. And so I would imagine that the company, whoever it is, be it Hulu, be it Netflix, whomever, that they really wouldn't want to go back and then say, well, nobody would be, nobody used this anyway. When in fact, now you have living, breathing people who have taken advantage of these things and it can be shown that they do. Exactly. One of the quirky things that matter in all of this, in a way that I didn't understand till I got involved, okay. is when you sign up for an online service, and apparently this is being more and more frequent in all contracts. You know, it says down there, our agree, you know, click here to read the agreement. Uh -huh. You agree to the agreement. And what do we all do? We don't, we don't read it. We just we click. We just click and go on. Right. Well, one of the aspects of those agreements is you agree not to sue them. Oh, really? Huh. So the only way that Kim and I could do this is if we were not Hulu customers. Oh, how interesting. So once we heard that that was in the description, uh, we carefully avoided using Hulu. Instead, we had to turn to other ACB members who were Hulu users, uh -huh. who were working through the difficulties, you know, a, a sighted spouse having to uh, control things and the like to make it uh, possible. Uh -huh. Those individuals kept us surprised if any changes that were happening within you know, the whole Hulu process. Uh -huh. I should say one other thing about this negotiation and, and process. Part of it is audio description being passed through, no question. It's a very, very important part of it. The other is that the service itself is accessible. If you're sitting here in your living room and you click on Hulu on the menu on your TV screen or Netflix, and then a program comes up that allows you to pick what show you want to watch, but that program is inaccessible yes. to you. Well, you might as well not have audio description. Right. So built into these are obligations that their mobile app on Android and uh, Apple iPhone or iOS platforms must be accessible, and that their web existence, because people can watch these things through their computers, uh, that must be accessible, and there are timelines to achieve those. So people should take a second look at Hulu starting January 1, 2020, one year from now or so. That's the way those technology things work. And they must have all of their platforms accessible to us so we can get access to that audio description. Anybody out there who's been watching audio-described movies on DVDs know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Because it's wonderful that audio description's on that DVD, but the menus to get at it mm -hmm. are frequently inaccessible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we've taught ourselves, well, if, if that DVD comes from, oh, I don't know, um, Disney, then Disney... You put the C DVD in, you press down three times, you press right twice, you press enter, then you press down twice and press enter again, and you got audio description. Yeah. Just kind of memorize those keystrokes uh -huh. to pull it off. Uh -huh. But we, we, we don't have to settle for that. 
when it comes to audio description on stream services like Netflix and Hulu. Oh, they okay. can modify their programming so that when we pick up that remote and arrow through things, everything will speak. Okay. Well, Brian, this has been very interesting, and it's uh, it, it, it's really it's really encouraging. I remember when the Netflix conversation first started, and it was like Netflix just wasn't interested. And then all of a sudden, things worked out. And Hulu has been the same way. I mean, there's been issues with Hulu for you know, for quite some time. It didn't just happen yesterday. And, and now, through all of the work of ACB and Bay State and you and Kim, uh, and and through through the negotiation process, it's here now, and now uh, that there will be time needed while things get into place. But what a step forward! Um, when you look back ten years, there was very little audio description. When you go back twenty years, there's even less, and and so you know the whole aspect of audio description, be it on TV or movies or whatever, is just so changed today. Absolutely. So this this is exciting, and it just kind of makes you wonder, okay, so what's the next step? And I guess we'll just wait and see, but um, but this is wonderful, and we really appreciate you sharing all of this with us on Soundprints. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the advocates in the blindness community, and Kim and I are just a couple of examples, there are thousands of us out there fighting the good fight, so to speak, to improve mm -hmm. the quality of life of blind people uh, ongoing. And that's in a world that is constantly changing as well. Right. But it's people sitting in their living rooms and watching a program that was audio described last week but doesn't seem to be this week, mm -hmm. who don't passively just move to a different show, mm -hmm. but that report, that file the, when I say complaint, it sounds like we're whining. We're not. We're just letting them know it isn't working. Right. And take that little extra time to do that kind of thing. I had a young man in my office over at the Carroll Center two days ago, and he asked me, so what's in it for me to be part of the council? Mm -hmm. I said, well, part of it is paying forward. When you go out there and you step on detectable warnings or you hear an audible traffic signal or you use a talking ATM, all of those things didn't used to exist. Right. And not all that long ago. But your predecessors in the blindness community felt that it was important enough to go out and advocate and re-advocate and re-advocate and monitor that it was all being done properly. And now you kind of have the joy of being able to take it for granted. Well, there are other things that still need that kind of advocacy. And there are things that, in fact, do matter to you. You know, your uh, fellow young people are out there watching these shows on their iPhones, and you don't want to be the one sitting there not knowing what's going on right. because you haven't advocated for that to be accessible. Right. When, in fact, the law uh, and the regulations say they need to be. But it's what they call complaint-driven. Right. You don't ask. You don't pursue it, you don't get it. Right. And more importantly, the next generation doesn't get it either. That's right. 
Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you here November 16 and 17. I'm ready to come down and get myself some, uh, what's it, Louisville hot chicken? (laughs) Kentucky fried chicken. (laughs) Except you're going to get, you're going to get fried chicken uh, from, uh, at our banquet, actually, we're going to have fried chicken and ham and a great, um, Southern cooking, it's hard to beat. Yes, yes. You'll, hard to beat. You'll have, it'll be a banquet unlike a banquet anywhere else you've been because at our banquet you have seconds. <laughs> hey, there we go. Okay, thank you very much. All Brian. right, I'm thank you, Brian. Bye okay. now. Page three. There are several significant articles that have appeared on various lists this week, and we're going to bring them to you. Some of them are quite lengthy, but they are on significant issues, and we think that you will enjoy them. First up is an article posted by Ray Campbell on October 25th entitled, Illinois to Develop Testing Program for Self-Driving Vehicles. This article uh, was taken from the Chicago Tribune website. Illinois is taking the first step toward putting self-driving vehicles on the road but it may be some time before they get there. Governor Bruce Rauner, R-A-U-N-E-R, on Thursday, signed an executive order creating the Autonomous Illinois Initiative, which sets guidelines for testing the technology and sharing information between developers, researchers, and state agencies. Testing of autonomous vehicles will require a driver to remain behind the wheel, capable of taking control of the vehicle at all times, according to the Illinois Department of Transportation, IDOT. Quote, This is what we've been waiting for, some direction from the state, said Roman Koropas, K-U-R-O-P-A-S, CEO and founder of Burr, B-U-R-R, Burr Ridge-based Innova EV, which is testing self-driving vehicles at Ohio State University. We want to be able to do it in our own backyard, said Koropis, whose company uses small golf cart-like electric vehicles for ride-sharing. Illinois State Police, the Illinois Tollway, the Department of Insurance, and the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity will assist with the program. The state will connect communities that want to host testing with companies, universities, and research institutions. Since human error is behind more than 90% of fatal wrecks, the use of autonomous vehicles could save lives, IDOT Secretary Randy Blankenhorn said. Quote, If you take that driver out of the equation, you're looking at a safer system, he said at a news conference in a parking lot at Guaranteed Rate Field. There are numerous questions about autonomous technology that still need to be resolved. One problem is that drivers assigned to be behind the wheel of self-driving vehicles tend to get bored, so they may not react quickly to an emergency, according to technology experts. The state currently is working with Northwestern University and the University of Illinois' Urbana Champaign, and Chicago campuses on a test track for autonomous vehicles in downstate Rantoul, R-A-N-T-O-U-L, about 15 miles north of Champaign. 
Pennsylvania, Arizona, and California already are testing autonomous vehicles. Last spring, Uber Technologies stopped its self-driving car operation in Arizona after a pedestrian was killed in a crash involving one of its cars. Kelly Gask posted the following item on October 23 on Leadership and Other Lists, and it is entitled, Blind Advocates Challenge State's Failure to Provide Accessible Forms of Communication to Blind Medi-Cal Consumers. The ACB affiliate, the California Council of the Blind, is a plaintiff in a class action lawsuit against the California Department of Health Care Services. Here is the release. Blind Advocates Challenge State's Failure to Provide Accessible Forms of Communication to Blind Medi-Cal Consumers. Berkeley, California. A coalition of blind advocates today filed a class action lawsuit in federal court against the California Department of Health Care Services, DHCS, and three counties for failing to provide Medi-Cal notices in accessible formats, such as Braille. The plaintiffs are the California Council of the Blind and three individuals. The plaintiff alleges that when blind individuals request accessible versions of Medi-Cal notices, DHCS and its county agents either fail to provide accessible versions or fail to do so in a timely manner. For example, plaintiff Lena Hinkle waited more than eight months to receive a Braille version of the Medi-Cal notice containing time-sensitive information. These delays may cause blind Medi-Cal consumers to lose their benefits. Providing information to blind individuals in alternative formats, such as Braille or large print, is required by federal and California anti-discrimination laws. To solve the problem, DHCS counties and Medi-Cal health plans need to 1. Identify people who need communication in Braille or other accessible formats, and two, respond appropriately to requests for accessible formats. Judy Wilkinson, president of the California Council of the Blind, CCB, said, quote, For years, CCB has advocated for Medi-Cal recipients who are blind or visually impaired to receive notifications in accessible formats. It is wholly unacceptable that everything from the Medi-Cal application process to notices about urgent treatment denials are still sent using printed documents to people who are blind or low vision and cannot read standard print. By filing this lawsuit, we seek to end this discrimination. Rebecca Williford, Senior Staff Attorney at Disability Rights Advocates, said, quote, We hope with the filing of this lawsuit that DHCS and its county agents will heed their obligations under federal and state disability rights laws. Blind Medi-Cal consumers have waited long enough for basic access to information. Autumn Elliott, Senior Counsel at Disability Rights California, said, quote, The harm to blind individuals who are repeatedly sent critical information that is not accessible to them is undeniable, and the law is clear that they have the right to receive such information in alternative formats. We are hopeful that DHCS and its county agents will work with us to resolve these matters quickly. Sylvia Yee, Senior Staff Attorney at DREDF, 
recalls that over the years, blind Medi-Cal beneficiaries, stakeholders, and advocates have repeatedly raised the need for Medi-Cal communications to be consistently accessible. We hope that our lawsuit will prompt the multiple concrete changes that DHCS needs to make before Medi-Cal is fully accessible to blind persons. Plaintiffs seek equal access to Medi-Cal for themselves and other blind consumers. Their ultimate goal is to ensure DHCS institutes a comprehensive remedial plan to properly identify and accommodate blind Medi-Cal consumers. Plaintiffs do not seek monetary damages. California Council of the Blind, CCB, is a nonprofit membership organization composed of Californians who are blind or have low vision. CCB's mission is to gain full independence and equality of opportunity for all blind and visually impaired Californians. Disability Rights Advocates, DRA, founded in 1993, is a nonprofit disability rights legal center that seeks to advance equal right and opportunity for people with all types of disabilities nationwide. DRA represents people with all types of disabilities in complex, system-changing, class-action cases. Disability Rights California, DRC, is a nonprofit organization founded in 1978. They protect the rights of people with disabilities. Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, DREDF, Founded in 1979, is a leading national civil rights law and policy center directed by individuals with disabilities and parents who have children with disabilities. DREDF engages in legal advocacy, training, education, and public policy and legislative development to ensure people with disabilities live full and independent lives free of discrimination. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. November 1, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Lions from around the country are invited to participate in this excellent opportunity to share ideas on how to be involved in local clubs and also to participate in ACB Lions activities. The number is 712-432-3900, and the code is 796096. On November 2, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold a roundabout, Education and Technology, from 3.30 to 5 p.m., Discussion Time on Duties of Officers, Board Members, and so on, at 5 o'clock. Other discussion topics to follow, Dinner at 6, will be carry-out from the Louisville East Lions Club Chili Supper, Please call ahead to sign up, and the cost is $6 per person. Games and crafts from 7 until 10. For more information and to sign up, call 502-895-4598. On November 4, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Committee meetings will be held. The Advocacy Committee meets at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 
and the Education, Activities, and Technology Committees meet at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. The number is 605-475-6006, and the code is 294444. On November 6th, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its November conference call meeting and support group at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The new number will be 669-900-6833, and the access code is 3572-595-193. On November 7, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The number is 669-900-6833, and the code is 3572-595-193. November 8 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision in-person support group meeting in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street. This is a great activity for those who have begun experiencing vision loss or who have had vision loss for several years. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On November 9, the GLCB Roundabout will be from 3.30 to 10 p.m. Education and technology from 3.30 to 5, including iPhone tips, tips for orbit readers, and more. Discussion time from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $6 per person, bargain table 7 p.m., bingo $2 per person, 7.30 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call to sign up at 502-895-4598. On November 10, the GLCB board will meet at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The number is 605-475-6006. And the code is 294444. On November 10, the American Printing House for the Blind Museum presents Reclaiming the Dream, Rehabilitation for Blinded Veterans in World War I. From 1 to 3 p.m., this Veterans Day program honors the soldiers, sailors, and airmen who returned home from their service during the War to End All Wars with Damaged Vision. These young men encountered a system unprepared for the nature of their wounds and uncertain also about the role of the nation in rehabilitating a blinded soldier. The program explores the birth of modern rehabilitation in field hospitals behind the lines and the Evergreen Army Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, and reveals how the sinking of the Lusitania impacted the story. You will meet a modern dog guide team and explore the beginnings of the dog guide movement. Veterans of modern day conflicts will contrast their own incredible experiences with the doughboys and swabbies who survived the Great War. Best for older children and adults. Pre-registration is required. For more information, call 502-899-2213. On November 11. KCB Next Generation will have its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. by phone. This is a regular monthly chapter meeting for visually impaired people ages 40 and under. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. Also on November 11, ACB families will have a meeting at 9 p.m., 
Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On November 12, KCB Next Generation will have its next nationwide conference call at 8.30 p.m. ACB members and individuals under the age of 40 are invited to join the nationwide conference call to explore the possibility of organizing a national special interest affiliate with ACB. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. For questions, contact Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 or email Amanda at alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T-87, at gmail.com. On November 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its next meeting in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker will be Gary Cusick. Ph.D., Kentucky Licensed Clinical Psychologist. He is based at the McDowell Center in Louisville. There will also be elections for president, vice president, and two directors. The meeting is at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-684. 4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. November 14, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold a conference call meeting at 7 p.m. The number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. For more information, call 859-781-7369. November 16 and 17 is the 45th Annual Conference and Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. The theme is KCB, The Final Frontier. Enjoy workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and friends. The convention will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 150 South State Street. Sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Lodging is available at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville by calling 502-897-5101. You can contact the Ramada for rooms until November 1 in order to be guaranteed our reduced rate of $79 per room. On November 18, the Kentucky School for the Blind alumni will have its next board meeting at 8 p.m., The conference call number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. November 19 is the Kentucky Council of the Blind board meeting at 7.30 p.m. by conference call 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. On November 24, there will be a Thanksgiving open house from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Plan to bring family and friends to APH's one-of-a-kind museum. Visitors can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, learn about guide dogs, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind, and enjoy many other activities in the award-winning museum. Holiday goodies and hot cider will be served for all ages. Contact the museum at 502-899-2213.
On November 25, ACB Families will have its support group at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can participate from anywhere in the country. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. We'll be drawing for our membership promotions that evening and there will be a special drawing for all who have become a member of ACB Families and who attend that call. On November 26th, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have a membership call at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. November 28th, the Bluegrass Council will have its monthly peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. For more information and to RSVP, call them at 859-259-1834. There will be no roundabout on Friday, November 30. On Saturday, December 1, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind invites everyone to its annual Christmas party. Doors open at 4 p.m., bargain table at 4.30, and sign up for the party. There will be dinner, games, Christmas caroling, and Santa Claus. Plan to be with us for this fantastic annual event. And on Sunday, December 2, is the ACB Radio Holiday Auction. Beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, tune in for lots of bidding fun and surprises. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.